Park, and welcome everybody to the Trial and Error Podcast, but I call it the TAP. I am your host, Aaron, and I just got back from the 100th anniversary celebration, the centennial of the uh, Winter's Fortnightly Club. What is the Fortnightly Club? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. It is a bunch of savvy old ladies that are just a bunch of do-gooders because that's exactly what you do. They raise money for scholarships. They help out when needed. They'll bake food if you need it. They're uh, helping send girls to college. They're just fun-raising, fun-loving old ladies, the sorority of just female leaders in the community. They're fucking savages. My grandma, Barb, has been the treasurer for 30 years. And Grandma Peg, a.k.a. Peggy Kelly, shout out to Grandma Peg. She's been the president for, I think she said like 16, and they celebrated 100 years of this organization being in being in existence in winter started founded in 1922 boy how things have changed they're looking for new members so if there's any uh young ladies out there that want a sense of belonging and just want to make some dope ass older friends uh fortnightly hit them up they'll accept you because they're awesome like that but how ever that is not what this episode is all about even though i sing their praises the praises I sing today will be more so uh, geared towards Orson, Orson Scott God and uh, his book, Speaker for the Dead, which is the sequel to Ender's Game. And it took me a couple of months. I kept the receipt as a bookmark. How long did it take me? I'm a slow reader, but I started reading uh, on the toilet. So instead of fiddling on my phone, I would read like two or three pages. Maybe. It's not much, but I, you know, I go to the bathroom all the time. So I'm just reading. I'm a reading machine. If I'm not reading this i'm listening to an audiobook changes the bathroom break game you feel a little more productive you're not getting your brain just melted by endless mindless scrolling on social media read damn it get a hardcover soft cover book read a god dang book while you're taking a shit anyways i got this on january 27th i probably finished it like two weeks ago bam what a unique book oh so spoilers ahead i'm going to break down this book uh, just tell you kind of kind of what happens, uh, my per perspective on it, and just kind of like a vigorous movie recap where I'm just going over it. This one is just goddamn book review. Yeah, I'm talking about a book, Speaker for the Dead. Fucking solid read. Super unique in so many aspects. Um, I, don't, I think I did one of these episodes for Ender's Game when I read that last year. I think I read it last year, yeah. Um, so you need, you don't need to read Ender's Game to read Speaker for the Dead. However, it is highly, super high, like Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson highly advised to read before reading this. Cause you'll have so much more of a pre appreciation for not only Ender, but the relationships, uh, that he has at one in particular with his sister, just how much they love each other. And then also how the universe kind of views him 3,000 years later. Whoa! So, Ender's Game. Ender, uh, don't bother with the movie. It sucks compared to the book. The book has so much more depth and just insanity to it. Uh, Ender's a young kid. He's a fucking genius. Literally a genius. And it's a futuristic world. Thousand, I mean, maybe a thousand years ahead of where we're at right now. And there's a population limit. There's wars. But mankind is somewhat united because the buggers are on the way. The buggers are this invading alien force that came 
I say like a couple generations prior to Ender being born, and the humans somehow fought them off with uh, this one. Well, anyways, it doesn't matter. Buggers, we fought them off, and then they're coming back. So Ender gets into this kind of military academy, and he's just he and his sister they're uh, are very tight. Their older brother Peter is a fucking he, he's a psychopath. Where it's they don't touch this on this in the movie at all, but he's close to killing Ender or the sister. Like they're scared for their lives and he's just this psychotic, he's a genius in his own right and knows how to manipulate people because he's a psychopath. It's, it's, it's pretty wild that aspect, but Ender soon goes to, to the school. Um, he goes through this rigorous training, ends up, uh, I guess before you find out what he does, it's important to know Ender is a nickname. It's Andrew Wiggins. And, um, they call him Ender. It's his nickname because what in every book and every story, the protagonist has something super unique about them, an aspect, a characteristic, a quality, something. And Ender is someone who he's so smart and he just bullies, will mess with him throughout the book and whatnot, but he ends their reign of terror on him. He does not only what is necessary, but even more so to make sure that whatever bullying or whatever uh, wrongdoing or any sort of ill deeds or thoughts, anything like that, he puts a fucking end to it. He put he beats them so emphatically uh, that the problem is done. It is ended forever. So there, there's this kid that fucked with him on the shuttle up to the, the space uh, institute, the school, and I think he like broke his arm or something. He fucked the kid up. He to the point where that kid never messed with him again. He messed this kid and his goons tried to jump him in the shower one time and Ender just plant. He's a master planner. He's very cunning, uh, very mature for, I think he's like 10 or 12 in this book. And he just finds a way to put people in their place. And he accidentally doesn't find out till later. They actually killed the kid in the shower, just cracked his head and just sends a message like do not mess with me or you will be dealt with thusly and so on the most wild of scales of that they groomed him to be the commander against the buggers this massive alien force their their fleet is coming and uh ender th throughout that that story he's like he plays these um games or it's just you're locked in your mind you're kind of in a dream state while you're playing these video games and he just gets past this one game that it's supposed to be impossible to beat, but he beats it. And it somehow, the game is designed to go into your psyche and develop levels thusly. And through that, Ender, he doesn't know at the time, but he's developing a connection with the, the hive queen. So the buggers are all a species of a hive mind. That means there's one consciousness, one collective consciousness that all these separate physical individuals all obey the same thought pattern and sentience and the hive queen is like they develop a relationship kind of and it eventually ender ends up killing all the buggers he sends like there's certain bombs in their fleet and there's this crazy galactic battle and ender fucks them all up and then they tell him ender thinks it's a simulation because they've been going simulation crazy for months but in reality, Ender's been fighting the buggers in real time because he'll get woken up at crazy hours of the night. You start to see his sanity and his humanity start to slip. Like he's clenching his fists so hard, they're, they're bleeding. He's biting his lip. He's just ruining. And the, the author does such a great job at showing his slow descent and just 
he's not unhinged, but he's very aware of what's very much aware of just how miserable he is. He wants it all to stop. And then he finds out after he kills that main bugger force that this is this shit's real, son. He just saved mankind. And you would not have done it if you knew this was real. You might have been reserved, but we know you a bad motherfucker, Ender. So you go in there, you whoop that ass. And he did. And at the end of that book, um, he finds the Hive Queen. It, it's in some weird accordance with like the game. It ended in such a way. Uh, it was like he was in this landscape. And then at the end of the book, he is flying with this other kid. They're just kind of roaming around this new planet they're trying to colonize. And he recognizes the landscape, goes to a certain spot, and he finds the Hive Queen, like this giant larva. Um, or it's like a cocoon, rather. Cocoon. Maybe twice the size of a football, but he has a cocoon now. So anyways, that's Ender's game. And he, oh, he, so he realizes that the buggers are not inherently evil. They're a hive mind that never came into contact with any other sentient being ever. And the humans, there's no contact. They don't know how to, how to communicate with them. And so it's like, well, they tried to kill us the first time we saw them. So we need to fight our, for our lives because they're, they're coming back for us. That's the humans. Are like, we just got to kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them. But when Ender talks to the Hive Queen, they're like, yo, that's by killing a couple hundred or whatever, whatever we did. That is our way of saying hi. We know nothing about you. And Ender's able to communicate with the Hive Queen and develop such a, a appreciation, appreciation and infatuation to just such a ab, admiration, admiration for the Hive Queen and just <laughs> what he did to them like he apologizes and she understood and there's uh, such a cool connection with this enemy the antagonist the entire time and uh ender's gone for quite a few years in ender's game and he's starved to reconnect with his sister there's no this ain't the lannisters there's no incestuousness it's a deep love between them because he and the sister were kind of black sheep of the family. It was just them two versus the world. The parents were kind of jaded or whatever. They're not really big characters at all. But in Speaker for the Dead, now now that the uh, summing up is over, Speaker for the Dead, uh, it, Ender is 35. Ender, no, 30, yeah, 35. He's a man. He's a man now. However, 3,000 years has passed since Ender's Game. How is that possible? Well, when you light traveling and you're going from place to place, I guess it's called a little more preface. Speaker for the Dead is a book. Uh, it ref um, references the Hive Queen and the Hegemon. And after Ender realizes what he did, has that relationship with the Hive Queen and understands everything, he writes a book. And it's... Hive Queen and the Hegemon, and he, uh, goodness, and it's about life and death, and it kind of transcends spirituality and religion, and talks about the essence of life and death, and that's what he becomes in Speaker for the Dead. They are um, not religiously based; they have they're more of a spiritual guide. And when they speakers in the three thousand years that has passed since Ender's Game, it's been a thing where. A speaker will go to a place, a different planet or what have you. They'll spend a couple of days with the family, the friends. They'll learn the truth of the person who passed away. And instead of going to a funeral and speaking all these like fairy tale stories and whatnot and what a great person they were, they say the goddamn truth about the person. They tell it all. 
secrets that have been guarded, lies, whatever. They're, it's not a roast. It is nothing of maliciousness. It is the truth. Anything else that you feel is just you being a goddamn human. The truth is what it is, unbiased. And it's just really cool how it it's said in a way that sets people free. It's, it's a release because you know it's the truth and only the truth can give you that sort of satisfaction or relief or cathartic understanding of the person who passed away and who they really were. It's about relaying the essence of the deceased. So very cool concept just in that and Ender, nobody really thinks it's, it's him at wherever he's at. So he's in this place called uh, Totemheim. Totemheim, I believe, and he's there. He's a man. He's with his sister, and they've been traveling around the universe. She's as old. They've been lights traveling, speaking at the dead, just kind of spending life together. And they ended up in Totemheim, which is kind of this super cold, frigid. Think of it as the think of it as say Antarctica, the Arctic North, just mountains, icebergs, what have you. And they're in this frozen tundra. And Ender's chilling, and he he's uh, he has this little jewel in his ear and he's in constant contact with this sentient AI named Jane and Jane uh, somehow is born in this giant computer interconnection called the Ansible. The Ansible connects the, the hundred, the hundred worlds because humans have just been spreading like fucking COVID just going running rampant, colonizing planets, not finding any other sentience. Um, and they just go and there's different schools and uh, Ender's at a university on this place and uh, his sister teaches, he teaches too. It's cool. One of the students, like later in the chat, has no significance on the story, but she figures out who he is. She asks herself questions and just, there, and characters aren't necessarily dumb in the in this book either, which is very refreshing. There's They're frustrating and irritating, irritating characters, but they're acting in accordance with their beliefs, but they're not foolish, I'd say. Um uh so that goes on you see where ender's at you catch up he has a very close relationship with jane who's a humorous character she's just the kind of voice in the back of his head um they talk about statistics or whatever she pokes fun at him sometimes it gets a little too deep because she knows this guy and he's the only one that she really wants to reveal herself to because she has this sentience that exists in this kind of internet and um Ender's super cool with her because she's the only person that can can really understand him. That's on that genius level, and has like these personality quirks, just kind of straight, raw. They're just a fun couple, I guess. And uh, Ender doesn't spend too much time on Totenheim because he receives a message through the Ansible from a place, a planet called Lusitania. Lusitania. <laughs> now. Uh, Allow me to tell a story here. Sent by this girl named Novenia. She is, I want to say, 10. And Lusitania, what we know about Lusitania when you're reading this book. Lusitania is 20 years away via spaceship or by the relative light speed that uh, humans have been able to accomplish at this time. 20 years by that speed. For Ender, it'll take a couple months to get there. He answers this call. It's a little girl saying, yo... We need a speaker for the dead over here. Somebody very important just died. She's heart crestfallen, heartbroken. Why is that? Because the person who died, his name is Pipo. Pipo is near and dear to Novenia, this girl. This girl's parents, when because Lusitania is a very newly colonized planet, and they had a city. They uh, not no not a city, small town with a fence around it, and it's very uh, it's. It's a Portuguese colony. 
Um, there's church there. There's a bishop. So that religion, uh, there's some religious themes in the book. And this girl, was uh, her parents helped um, cure a plague. I forgot. Damn, what's it called? Descalata. Descalata, uh, as described in the book, is a horribly just like your flesh just falls from your bones and is horribly painful and just a terrible uh, pandemic or a plague that was just fucking up the, the people of that colony. So they created a cure, but not before they could cure themselves. They died painfully. The church loved them and they were just singing their praises. Everybody loves them, but Novini was left orphaned and just so in pain because she's at this genius level as Ender where she's an outcast uh, mentally and emotionally. And people just sing her praises. Your parents are so great. They're going to be sainted. Uh, it's, uh, you're, you're good. You're good. And they just don't really understand her. They don't understand what she's going through, not in the slightest. And every time someone sings her parents' praises, that she dies a little herself. She's that much further removed from these people that she just can't uh, see eye to eye with or identify with, really. And it sucks for her. And so Peepo is this guy. Uh, he's a zineographer so he's going out to study the natives because on Lusitania they found the piquenenos again there's a lot of Portuguese in this uh, and it's it which I think is pretty fucking cool it's such a nice like a, a unique aspect to the book and just the identity of the colony and the people there anyways the piggies as they're called because they have little snouts they're a little shorter than regular humans but they since the colony got there and they found these piggies uh, the fence is up. Piggies can't get over it. Can't can't go through. Only these scientists are able to go out and interact with the piggies. Except they kind of have a Star Trek law uh, mandate where you cannot allow the indigenous species to evolve or progress technologically faster than they would have without our intervention. So it's hands off. Try to learn and do not yield to them what is going on on a human side of things don't let them know what we're up to we're just here we came from the stars be very vague we try to decide what you can aka these scientists have their fucking wings clipped by having to be politically correct around uh the piggies because the starway congress the governing body of all intergalactically says you shall not do all these intervening type questions or give them some sort of intellectual knowing of who they're dealing with all these humans that have just arrived on their planet and so Pipo and his son Miro uh they kind of not adopted Novenia but uh she was just assigned there because her parent obviously Novenia's parents were biologists scientists and so hook and crook she ended up with Pipo and Lebo and there's a dope back and forth with Pipo he's probably in his 40s and he talks to her and he's not falling for her shit because she's an angry little shit. She's mean, nasty, and he just goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with her, talks, this is all in the first chapter, talks her up and you could see the relationship building between them. It's really nice. It's like, okay, the worst thing happened. She's an orphan, but she found this guy who's sort of this father figure and it's awesome. And <laughs> at the end of the chapter, it's Pipo and Novania. They're at this uh, computer terminal and, and he's logging something in and he comes to this realization. He's like, this is, this is wild. He doesn't, and she's like, what is it? What is it? He's like, I have no time to talk. Just go tell Miro, tell the fam, like, I'll be back later. All right, it's all good. It's all gravy. And he goes out to the piggies. And the next thing we find out 
uh, he gets fucking gutted. <laughs> He's fucking slaughtered this guy. They find him the next day spread like just blood eagled but from the front he is flayed open the piggies took him gutted him ripped his guts apart and they planted a fucking tree in his chest they savaged this poor man people and is just heart-wrenching and novinia is super fucking sad distraught and there's a little bit of a love interest you could tell a little little teenage angst between miro and novinia He's devastated. They kind of acknowledge their uh, affection for one another, but it's just more than than she can bear. And she's not exactly sure what happened. Like they know that they can love each other, or what. it's very high emotion. But she knows that whatever people found out in that terminal got him killed. So she she locked those files away, made it impossible for anybody else to get them. And she knew what it was, and she. In her mind, if she got together with Miro, he's gonna want to know what the fuck happened, and she—if she told him, he would die too. Just kind of drastic jumps about what people do with information, but she would rather not be with him than be the reason he gets killed. And then later on, you find he gets fucking—he dies the same way as Ender's on his way to Lusitania, I believe. Yes, I think that's exactly what happens. So, Ender gets this message from a 13-year-old. Uh, Novenia just distraught saying we need a speaker from the dead over here this is more than I can bear like because she's not only orphaned she orphaned the third time somehow because of this guy that she started loving uh, in a fatherly way and Ender thinks on this and he comes to the conclusion that he needs to go to Lusitania this means he needs to tell Valentine and they have such a cool relationship they're very close and they rely on each other to be for, like for happiness and for just someone who understands because nobody else really under understands them the way they understand each other and he says yo i gotta go to lusitania i got a speaking to do they call it a speaking that means because ender and his sister are three thousand plus years old right they've been time traveling and when you're time traveling relatively relativity takes effect so earth that's not time traveling ages like crazy when you're going through the cosmos and intergalactic time travel uh, 20 years that it's going to be in real time in light time or however their space traveling takes three months which means once ender gets to lusitania valentine who who uh, at this point is married and is expecting uh, she's gonna be 20 years older. Her daughter is going to be 20 by the time Ender gets there. But for him, it's gonna be three fucking months. And then if he ever wanted to come back, that's 20 more years back the other way, which is crazy. So, and he's only gonna have aged matter of like maybe a year, however much, however much he grows, um, she's gonna be 40 years plus easily. Relativity, time travel, it's crazy. And that's why they're over like 3,000 years old because they've been time traveling forever. Time traveling, light traveling forever. So that's a pretty, that's a tough chapter to read because you know how much they love each other. And it's like, all right, I'm out of here. And so he dips, he gets to Lusitania. I don't remember all of this. I'm just going to try to give as much cliff notes as possible. And he knows that Novenia is going to be 20 years older when he gets there. So a pretty heavy uh, first chapter. They kind of, you, you learn that, the world knows Ender in a very uh, 
macabre kind of way, sort of how people revere Genghis Khan these days. They call him Ender the Xenocide because he killed all, the, slaughtered all the buggies, put them to the torch, and now all the humans are sanctimonious and just crucifying this guy. When at the time he was hailed as a fucking hero, savior of humanity, and uh, on the way, like while Ender's in the ship. There's a dialogue between him and this voice, but then it's revealed that it is the Hive Queen. Ender has the Hive Queen fucking cocoon, and she tele communicates with him telepathically. Ender is on a hunt to plant the queen and find a place where her species can thrive, can resume life, can be born again. So that's kind of like a sub story that's going on. So a very uh, like totem heim wasn't going to be good for the, for the buggers. They need moisture. They need a place to graze, go out like these giant bugs. Um, so moving forward, Ender gets there and Novenia's married to this asshole who, well, he died because he had this weird, uh, he had a pretty shitty disease, but he beat her. They had a bunch of kids. Um, and you get to meet the kids. At first, you're like, oh, there's so many. But the kids are, as the story goes on, you get to learn a little bit more about them, their temperaments. There's a little one who pees on Ender, but he's such a, the smallest one, I forget his name, he pees on Ender. He's this little shithead four-year-old. And Ender just sits him in his lap and just holds it. He doesn't let him go. And the kid's sitting there in his own piss. And he's, Ender's character is so, he has a calm intensity to him where he talks to somebody and there's no bullshit. He gets to the, the, the crux of things. There's no, there's some small talk, but what he, he has uh, such negotiation tactics and a negotiator's mindset of being aggressive and at the same time courteous and knowing because that's what he does. He observes a lot and uh, it, to so many people's dismay, especially these days, he speaks logically and will use logic against you in arguments and hit you with facts. <laughs> it's just, oh, he's, it, it's just so cool hearing him interact with people or reading his interactions with other characters. And if they're high and mighty or snooty, he'll, he'll go tit for tat with them. Uh, meets the mayor and he's, oh man, I'm having a tough time recall. Let's see here. Makes his presence known, and Ovinia pretty much tells him she's still sciencing around. The let's see, she says, "Oh, yo, this was a big mistake. I should not have called you. I was just a heartbroken little girl. You should go back." And he's like, eh, "No, I'm I'm staying. I'm gonna get to know people." And so he does that for a few chapters, and uh, during that time, you find out that it's uh, Novenia's son now, Lebo, I believe. Uh, he and Miro's daughter, you know, they're, they're friends and they go and they're, they're now scientists and they study the piggies and it's just them two and progress in the 20 years has been so goddamn slow. There's been little to no, um, progress made with understanding the piggies with not being able to ask them certain things. So goodness gracious. Ender meets them and he's like, yo, I want to go out and meet these piggies. And you find out that, you know, the piggies, they're just weird creatures. They kind of do weird backflips and have bizarre physical quirks. Kind of like, I don't know, bigger than Ewoks, but they're just, they can actually speak English and they also have their own language. Uh, they're dealing only with males. Uh, they don't know how piggies reproduce. It's just, there's many themes like, what, how do they reproduce? Like, what do they feel like? Why did they slaughter uh, Pipo and Miro? Because that news went throughout the hundred worlds and it's like, okay, these savages are now 
uh, there's different categories of sentience that the humans use, and it's one is there's, there's no hope of co communication or making any amends or trying to reason with them. They are of such a different wavelength of thought or any sort of sentience that we could possibly understand. There's no, there's no hope, and that's what they thought these piggies were. But they can speak. They learned. They were given Bibles, and they were given uh, Hive Queen and the Hegemon, and it's you know, it's it's cool seeing how much the piggies have learned they're not they're not savages by any means okay and we're back so that, uh, take care of something but hey Hold on. we are the the book continues um where was i where the cluck was i um piggies ender figuring things out speaking of the dead uh whilst ender snooping around um you find out that that uh, the species, I guess it's kind of like in the climax of it all, but they eventually find out that the piggies and other, there's like the zebra kind of creature on the planet and water snakes and the animals and the plants, is, there's certain plants that kind of co-evolved into this singular life cycle. Like there's, they somehow exist as a different species, but at the same time when one dies, they sort of become the other. So um the piggies as we as we come to find out are uh, not exempt from this type of existence because they're very in tune with the trees and nature they seem to worship trees as it's come to find out and uh it's only males that ender and the other scientists are dealing with these like teenage kids and but but they have such reverence for the 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 mothers or the the females of the tribe they never see the females it's only the males and at the same time they they badmouth them, but then there's such reverence and like they adhere them as like gods, damn near. So it's, it's they're very it's interesting trying to think about what the hell's going on. They don't know how they repopulate or just anything about them. Meanwhile, Ender's finding out more, and, and he finds out that uh, <laughs> Lebo. <laughs> well, Ender comes to speak the death of uh, the husband that died. He, um, Novenia's husband, the guy that's a piece of shit, beater. He died of this uh, genetic disease that left him fertile, and slowly, like, kind of liquefied his insides and killed him painfully. Homeboy was fertile though, yet Novenia has seven kids, about uh, about those those numbers, eh? How about that? How about that? So Ender finds that out, and he also finds out that uh, <laughs> Lebo and the... Oh my goodness, what's her name? I forget the daughter's name, but they're just friends, right? Well, now they're brother and sister. That is some incestuous shit, because they are it's they have a romance going. They talk about them kind of touching. They've gone out and... Uh, not sexually, but they've gone and smooched around a bit. They're going to be abstinent until marriage, because they're all uh, good Catholics on Lusitania. And... They don't know. They don't know. And the story goes on. It's a little... There's... Relationships develop. It's it's just cool seeing Ender develop a relationship with each of Novinia's kids. Her... There's such a connection there. And then at the end, like, they're full-blown romance for sure. Uh, I do. They do get married at the end. Spoiler alert. Ender and Novinia end up together because she understands Ender the way Valentine, Ender's sister, did. Her name is Valentine, yes. And uh, she's back in Totenheim still. And so Ender 
um, he speaks, he ends up speaking the dead, I forget his name, Marcos, and he speaks, uh, he tells them all about how he'd beat no, uh, Novenia, how he'd abused the kids verbally, I don't think he'd ever touched them, but definitely the kids were, it, it grew up rough, it was just hard to be around, and uh, he finally died, and just how Novenia was just not really there emotionally, she's not the best of moms, she's there, she loves them, but just relatively distant. And um, Ender keeps speaking that truth and talks about how everybody was like, oh, this guy, Marco's just a shit guy, a horrible human being. But, but he looks at all the townspeople like, how many of you stopped and asked him like, hey, how was your day? Or got to know him on a deeper level or were there to try to help him or try to understand him at the very least. Because Ender... When he's talking to the kids, you just kind of hate him, but it's still their dad. He's like, you, people don't, they can't love him yet until you you know him. And it's just such a, a weird truth of just, yes, we can hate people, what they do and this and that. But it's just like, do you really get to truly know them? Know their truth. And this, it's the same truth that the Speaker of the Dead delivers uh, at the, it, it's a eulogy that he gives. And um, as he's speaking the for the dead the perspective kind of goes to different characters it shifts from character to character and kind of their understanding like what they're doing like if they're crying or whatever and then kind of hits people's feelings of guilt or their understanding of who this guy was and that they could have done more to accept them as part of the tribe instead of just leave, leaving him to be drunk or intervening in some way like not in a blaming way but it's just he's he's bad we're all bad for not doing more or whatever. Like these are all truths we need to accept in order to move on. And it, there's a lot of relief from a lot of characters by realizing uh, all these truths that, that came with the speaking. So it was, it was, it was a very cool chapter, very cool kind of unique bit of writing. A couple pages there. Re very good. Very well done. Yes. Uh, so the speaking ends. And then at some point, Earlier in the book, uh, Ender's talking to Jane. She's yak, 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 yakking. And then he, he turns her off because he's talking to these two kind of uh, this husband and wife. But per the religion or just the way they practice, there's no sex. It's just this abstinent love between these people. And uh, Ender kind of connects with them. And he, he flips the religiosos uh, notions on their heads of who, who they expected him to be coming in. This asshole, this infidel coming in. They call him the infidel plenty of times. And then they're like, okay, this guy's not so bad once they get to talk to him and know him a little bit. And uh, he turns off Jane, which sent her fucking through the roof. She kind of turned off. And then like the way they describe it, it's, it's wild because it's never happened before. She's always on. She's always in Ender's head, always talking to him, always feeling him. Like, cause Jane does have emotion. She's pissed and she turned off and kind of scoured throughout the universe and rebooted in such a way, but not in the nicest of way, I guess. And she kind of was seeking chaos or just to do something to just to do it, I guess. And what she found was, uh, the now that now known brother and sister going out and studying the piggies are giving them tools or helping them use bow and arrows and whatnot because the piggies war with each other there's wars in different like forests and there's uh, rivers and open plains and whatnot very lush planet lusitania but not super inhabitable inhabit 
not super compatible with uh, earth agriculture and whatnot. There's still, there's plenty of food, but like the scientists throughout the book are trying to find different ways to create different food for different nutrients. Besides the point. Um, the uh, Jane gets satellite footage of these kids doing this and sends it to the Starway Congress. Takes a couple like months or whatever, but they get it. And the punishment for intervening is for intervening in any way is they're going to evacuate these motherfuckers off of Lusitania. Y'all done. The, the, the colony's done. And they're going to destroy and get rid of any evidence of any human existence on that planet whatsoever. Just destroy the buildings, whatever, pick it all up, and they're going to move on, leave the planet. Um, so they're they're on the way. Starway Congress, they're getting ships ready. Uh, it, it Shit's about to hit the fan. But again, that's just like kind of the slow burn. The slow burn overarching story. It doesn't, doesn't happen until about halfway through the book. Um, there's multiple strong plot lines going on, things that are happening. So another unique aspect of the book. It's not a classic hero's journey. And Ender, things happen. Uh, Ender wants to go out and meet the piggies, and he's asking crazy questions because I think they they figure out what. Okay, all right. Here here's what happens. Here's what happens. The colony finds out they're fucked. The colony finds out they're going to get evacuated. So the mayor, the religious leaders, they get together like, we need to figure something out. Um, and by some instance, uh, Ender's going to go and talk to the piggies. Maybe they can find some kind of resolution. But the church and the city, who they weren't, they were kind of, it's been a pissing match between the two uh, throughout the entire book. But nothing, nothing crazy. No, like there's no foul play or any, anything like that. Just shit talking. And... Ender goes out to see the piggies. He's asking them direct questions. And uh, this is before like the meeting, before they find out uh, that they're fucked. The piggies take Ender and him and the other scientists. And he's like, how are you guys doing this? Like, what's going on? He's asking all the questions that the reader's been wanting to know the entire book. And they don't use axes like they talk to the tree. Because the trees in that forest are all dead piggies. They turn into it's it's called their third life their first life is when they're like these little chipmunk sized little babies uh suckling on tree sap um they are born by eating their way out of their mother's womb a very young mother who's capable of getting giving birth the sterile females they don't give birth and they become the all wise all infinite leaders they're sterile females and all the guys they'll revere them but i'm not sure why they they would talk mad shit about them, but they kind of speak different dialects of language, but they're the leaders. And they find this out, and the piggies that are talking to Ender, uh, they start singing and kind of, they're always singing or doing some crazy shit, but they sing and kind of thump the tree. They do like kind of a chant, and the tree starts shaking and then falls into perfect boards because the piggies said, yo, yo we'll, we'll show you what happens, but don't take this lightly. This is a brother who is willingly giving his life because the trees are all sentient. They're all real, and this one falls apart into perfect pieces for the piggies to use to build a house or whatever. There are uh, a hut. Anything that they need, these trees are in their third life, soaking in the sun. It's this glorious experience. And the piggies did this to one of their own named Rooter, in the beginning of the book, he gets fucked and they refer to him as a tree. Reuter's been talking. Reuter's been 
telling me this. They have a connection with these trees and it's awesome. And Alt-Rooter also told them about the Hive Queen. The piggies are interested in the Hive Queen because they read the Hive Queen and the Hedgeman. They understand her, they, they, they dig her. And how is that possible? It, Hive Queen's just kind of communicating with the tree. She's part of that sentient, just collective consciousness. She can communicate with these, the, the trees and that gets relayed and it's just all these all these revelations kind of happen at once it's fucking awesome and ender goes back to the piggies and they find out that the this is kind of the, the climax they need to go get they find out that the reason the piggies killed Peepo and Lebo is because it is the greatest honor in their ways to die willingly and to be planted, to become a tree and, and experience a third life. That is the highest of praise. And they uh, chew this kind of grass that's like anesthesia. It doesn't numb the pain per se, but you lose kind of like, you're like, yeah, all right, like this is happening you're kind of nonchalant but you you feel the fucking pain and uh they found that in people's mouth and stuff so it's kind of like they were not experiencing it as intimately as one could experience getting filleted open alive and had a tree planted in their fucking chest they find out that people in lebo did that because um the honor must be had and they couldn't bear for a piggy to do that they didn't want them to die they're like i'll die in your stead because i don't want you to die because we didn't understand them they thought it was this crazy savagery but in this case uh ender goes to negotiate with the piggies um and he meets the wives and they're talking he's negotiating like hey we're gonna live here together us humans and you uh piggies because we're gonna we're gonna revolt we're gonna like it they know they can't do it um what's it called with military tactics at all but they needed to keep all their files and maintain their civilization because without help of the 100 uh world nation this intergalactic uh government without their help like they'd be fucked no information no supplies coming in or anything but they could still farm like they're self-sustaining this colony but they'd be royally fucked and so the only way they could keep their information and keep that self-sustainability is to just cut off the ants will in such a way where they'll still have power generated for them and, and be able to, to live. Otherwise, they would just be in this limbo as the Federation comes to evacuate them. So it's decided like they're in rebellion. So that means the gloves are off. Ender can go and negotiate, ask questions, and just be a wild man, get the information. And he's negotiating with, forget the piggy's name, think it's um, human. I believe it is human. He's talking to human, talking to human, negotiating, saying, hey, we're going to live on this planet together. So let's, we're not going to, they come up with terms to be at peace with other piggy tribes. But if they make an act of war, like they're very specific on what constitute an act of war. So they can go to war with other piggies. The humans are going to be, have their own laws. And it's, it's just, it's cool that they negotiated and they sealed the peace. But the only way to seal that piece is somebody needs to get planted. And Ender's very distraught. Like, he doesn't want it to happen. And human's like, yo, th like, let me do this. This is why those other guys died, I guess. This, like, there's a better understanding between the species, between the cultures. 
and they were like, yo, piggies, don't do that to the humans. We, we're, we're not down with that. Y'all get out to do that to yourself. It's all good. Don't do it to us. It's real bad. We don't like it. So Ender ends up being the one that plants them. There's other piggies there that kind of guide them through. It's a very touching scene. They talk about like the last kind of gasp of look of agony on, on human's face. He gets planted. He's going to be among, with his father, Rooter, and join the trees. Join this this forest of piggies and enjoying their third lives so it's it's very cool in that regard um in the meantime <laughs> the two scientist kids find out that piggies have been like hopping the fence that if you touch it the fence surrounding the colony if you touch it like you're it's the most excruciating pain you could ever possibly imagine but the piggies chew that grass that just makes you say fuck it YOLO, they hop the fence and they've been kind of snooping at nighttime around the colony, just kind of getting to know what these humans are up to. So the two scientists wanted to do the same thing. Like, they, I forget the circumstances, but the kid was going to hop the fence and he chews uh, the, the sun. He chews the grass and he's just, he gets fucked up on the fence. Like, he makes it on the top, it falls off. He has the kind of a seizure like experience. Um, peace is restored in what's it called the colony the piggies uh so the resolution is and a revelation is uh what happened with descalada all right all right so so anyways anyway sorry let me restate real quick um the rebellion is on it's just this colony they're not trying to fight they're just wanting independence and so the fleet's coming but they realize none of them are, they're not worrying about getting evacuated because they can't be evacuated. Reason being, if you're on Lusitania, the, the Descalada, the plague that fucked up all the original colonists, that same gene, that Descalada plague exists in everybody there. And the only way to keep people alive, it's like the, the, the medicine that Novenia's parents came up with just suppresses it that gene exists within you but it can't kill you it's just there but it's ever dormant just keep taking your medicine so everybody's been doing that but uh that came to the realization i guess like they everybody took medicine maybe they didn't no no they just took medicine once and they're good with it it quells it forever but nobody knew that they have it forever that if they went to any other planet it would infect everybody and kill the entire planet so these people are all lethal and they realize, okay, well, Ender's probably got it uh, if he hasn't already because he's there for a couple months, long enough to get Descalada, but he's able to take uh, medicine for it. He never like feels it or ails or anything like that, uh, but they can't be evacuated. So they're hoping that they can negotiate or whatever and just be this thriving planet. They don't really talk about the resolution with the incoming fleet, but um valentine decides she wants to come to see ender on lusitania uh, she has kids like she's a, kind of an older woman i'd say well in her mid 50s and she's like i'm gonna come and see you and ender's like oh i can come meet you like halfway or whatever she's like no you're gonna stay put there so when i see you you're gonna be 20 years older too i'll be damned if i'm around this young ass ender pissing me off with your youth so ender gets married uh, I've, I skipped around so much. I apologize for butchering the story, so to speak. Just not going into every detail, but you f you find out so much. And I think the information that got people killed it is forget specifically what it was, but it's somewhere connected to the ramblings that I just uh, spewed out at you guys. 
But what a cool ending of the book. And Ender goes with Novania out to this nice kind of lush area on Lusitania, and he leaves the Hive Queen. And the last page, she bites her way out of the cocoon and is ready to start like life again. Uh, it's very cathartic. Uh, no loose ends other than you know what's happening, what in 20 years is going to happen. Um, just really cool, really cool. And Jane comes back a little bit with Ender like he's really devastated having lost her halfway through the book because he turned her off and she never like he turned her back on he's like I'm so sorry if you can hear me like can I respond in any way no response nothing and finally like their relationship's not the same he turned her off no matter what he does or says it'll never be the same so he gives her to uh Miro Miro, yeah, yeah, the son that climbed the fence. He's still kind of fucked up. He speaks slowly. He has a bit of a slur. Like, he had a seizure. And he's only 20. So he feels useless. But then Jane comes back, and she understands him, and she kicks it off. And Ender's a little jealous because, you know, he used to have that kind of cool back and forth and that relationship with her. But she's Miro's now. And um, it's tough for Miro because he loved that girl. He was going to get married to the girl who he finds out is really his sister or half sister no sister because yeah yeah they're all <laughs> oh god damn it novenia and she god during the speaking everybody knows that she cheated on her husband <laughs> and the guy knew it marcos knew it uh he didn't kill her or anything he just he knew it was going down he's like well you need this have your kids and he kind of played the part of a dad but woo what a book oh my god no Vienna, you filthy sloop uh the piggies everything what just very unique and very uh very well written it's just read ender's game before you read this if you're gonna read this at all it, it really adds so much more depth and just an understanding of who ender is and just kind of what he goes through he's very seems stoic he doesn't have an, a lot of emotional flux a little bit because he's so i don't know it's just his character he's just he's there he's on it baby and i could can't recommend it uh, enough speak for the dead orson scott cod that's my rambling god i hope that made sense i really hope so i was jumping back and forth so much but good books will make you do that i suppose thanks for listening to the tap you wild animals hope you have a great day i love you Bye bye you lose! Good day, sir!